The following is a reflection on the readings for Monday of the seventh week of Easter. The first reading is taken from Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 8. The responsorial is Psalm 68, and the gospel is John chapter 16, verses 29 to 33. Today's readings confirm that there are different levels of faith, different degrees. In the first reading, St. Paul tells a group of believers in Ephesus that their faith was incomplete, since their baptism was one of only repentance by John, and they had therefore not received the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel, the disciples acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and God because, as they say, he knows all things. So they profess their faith. And Jesus acknowledges it by saying, At last you believe. Yet at the same time, Jesus indicates that soon all of them will fall away when tested. They will scatter and leave him alone. So there are different degrees of faith. We see it in the church today. There are many baptized Catholics who do not practice their faith. There are others who do come to Mass and practice the sacraments, and yet their knowledge of the faith is very weak. When asked by a non-Catholic to explain certain tenets of the faith, they cannot respond. There are Catholics who do know the faith and can explain it, yet when put under pressure from the world, fall away. Their faith has not matured to the point of taking up their cross and following Christ and being willing to suffer like their Master. So the question is, where do we stand? Are we able to explain the teachings of the Church and defend them from Scripture and tradition on issues like Purgatory, Mary, the Eucharist, the Sacrament of Reconciliation, indulgences, how one is saved? It used to be that we could leave these things to priests and theologians, but no longer. With the shortage of priests and the proliferation of non-Catholic communities, and the growing secularization of culture, it is up to the laity to evangelize and catechize. But we must not stop there. The true measure of faith is in our willingness to suffer for Christ and his church, to approach the faith of the martyrs, like Susanna in the book of Daniel, who preferred to die than commit one mortal sin, or the mother of the seven sons in Maccabees, who exhorted her children to endure torture rather than deny the faith. St. Pope John Paul II wrote a stirring and beautiful account of this kind of faith in his great encyclical, The Splendor of Truth, in chapter 3, that is well worth reading. This coming Sunday, we will celebrate the Solemnity of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Church. When one reads the Acts of the Apostles that begins with the Pentecost event, one cannot help but notice a dramatic change in the apostles' faith. Suddenly, those who were hiding in the upper room now boldly proclaim the good news with little concern for persecution. Peter stands up and preaches with such inspiration that his audience is cut to the heart and asks, What shall we do? Peter responds, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What happened to the apostles who a few days earlier denied even knowing Jesus Christ? The degree of their faith was qualitatively affected by the Holy Spirit that now indwelt their souls. With the Holy Spirit came the infused virtues of faith, hope, and love. 
Virtue here means strength or endowment. The weak faith that Jesus alluded to on Holy Thursday had not yet been graced with the Holy Spirit. But now everything changed, and for the rest of the Acts of the Apostles, we see bold faith in operation as the gospel spreads from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For us today, Pentecost begins in baptism, where the grace of the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith in God through the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 683, elaborates, quote, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This knowledge of faith is possible only in the Holy Spirit. To be in touch with Christ, we must first have been touched by the Holy Spirit. He comes to meet us and kindles faith in us. By virtue of our baptism, the first sacrament of the faith, the Holy Spirit in the Church communicates to us, intimately and personally, the life that originates in the Father and is offered to us in the Son. End of quote. Paragraph 153 goes on to state, quote, Faith is a gift of God, a supernatural virtue infused by Him. Before this faith can be exercised, man must have the grace of God to move and assist him. He must have the interior helps of the Holy Spirit, who moves the heart and converts it to God, who opens the eyes of the mind and makes it easy for all to accept and believe the truth. End of quote. But baptism is just the beginning, as the Catechism, paragraph 158, states, quote, It is intrinsic to faith that a believer desires to know better the one in whom he has put his faith, and to understand better what he has revealed. A more penetrating knowledge will in turn call forth a greater faith, increasingly set afire by love. The grace of faith opens the eyes of our heart to a lively understanding of the contents of revelation, that is, of the totality of God's plan and the mysteries of faith, of their connection with each other and with Christ, the center of the revealed mystery. The same Holy Spirit constantly perfects faith by his gifts, so that revelation may be more and more profoundly understood. End of quote. What are the gifts that help us grow in faith and act promptly in faith, hope, and love to build up the church? The highest in dignity is the gift of wisdom, which allows the soul to enter more deeply into a contemplation of divine realities, even as they relate to our secular lives with all its contingencies. In other words, the articles of faith that constitute the Church's teaching can not only be known, but shared in lovingly, so that we are elevated to discern and judge all things from a spiritual perspective. When faced with real problems such as a pandemic, we are armed by grace with an ability to meet the challenges, applying knowledge and judgment of divine truth to direct human affairs. Thus, far from allowing these challenges to weaken belief, faith nourished by wisdom presents opportunities to apply prudent judgments that make faith more relevant to life. Through the gift of fortitude, the Holy Spirit supports and strengthens us to persevere in any crisis that might otherwise challenge our beliefs.
An example is St. Paul and his thorn in the flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he states, quote, Three times I begged the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. End of quote. The other gifts of the Spirit, including understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord, apply graces in their own unique ways, so that no matter the adversity we face, faith is not only maintained, but grows in degrees that is pleasing to the Lord. Let us pray. May the power of the Holy Spirit come to us, we pray, O Lord, that we may keep your will faithfully in mind and express it in a devout way of life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen.